Welcome to episode 11 of the Breakaway Fantasy Football Podcast. We are now a top 100 uh, UK football podcast, according to Apple's charts, which I'm very, very excited about breaking the top 100. Uh, and I hear this week that we've got some new listeners. Uh, shout out to those uh, those new listeners uh who are in different leagues and seem to be enjoying the podcast. So um, that's great that the uh, the listenership is exploding. Um, my guest this week is the only member of the league who carries the rank of assistant superintendent. It's Kyle Knight. Hey, gang. We are operating with a small satellite delay between uh, Kyle and I as our transatlantic guests. So uh, if there's any issues with the audio this week, Take it up with somebody who cares. Right. Usual format, headlines, review of last week. Look forward to next week or this week, which is a very exciting week being Thanksgiving. Uh, A special feature, which I won't talk about just yet. And then our usual interview section with Kyle. Got some good questions in from the listeners. Right. Into the headlines. So the big news this week real earth-shaking, league-shattering stuff. It's the news around the league activity of Foy Aluakon. Obviously mentioned in dispatches last week in the IDP, and clearly uh, the podcast really kind of shook up some interest in the league. Carl, can you take us through the events of last week as it relates to Aluakon? Wow, there's yeah, so definitely activity with him. Uh we saw that the uh, the Borlands duo picked him up a month ago. They kept him on his squad. I don't know if they played him, but <laughs> seven days ago, dropped him for T. Edwards. And then um, three days later, they decided to pick him up for 23 uh, FAB. So uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going on with those too but they definitely uh, need to get the communication if uh, Gary's dropping him and Chris is picking him back up we don't know I think we can be fairly confident that's what happened right so Baker dropped him Rawlins listened to the podcast panicked went straight to the waiver wire at 6 30 in the morning or whatever time he was up and uh and and just put in a bid on him so you know great to see a big name back on a roster uh, also, great to see the infighting that is clearly happening between the Ballings duo this week. I, th- right. I think uh, having Steve in their ear this week is really uh, starting to rustle some feathers, which is great to see as well. They say it won't, but I think uh, we're going to see some more, more arguing between those two as the season goes along. Yeah, they seem phased. So that's the big news, right? We'll move on to some lesser headlines now. Um, I think the, the the first one we should start with, Kyle, was a couple of weeks ago we had a headline about what a great week of fantasy football it was. Uh, this is the opposite. It was a terrible week for fantasy football and for actual football. Um, just a few, uh, a few points from me. It was the second lowest level for the uh, Murchison bonus this season. Um, and to be honest, uh, it was largely low-scoring affairs across the board. I think it was the Pats and Jets game that really kind of exemplified how bad this week was. The Jets had a full two yards of offense in the second half of that game, which works out as slightly less than three inches per play. Um Zach Wilson is clearly a massive problem. And I see in the headlines earlier today that he is being benched and they're going to start Mike White. Uh, He has had games since he came back from injury of 110 yards, 121 yards, 154 yards. And in this game, 77 yards of passing, which is absolutely awful. Um, I can't believe the Jets have the record they do. They've got the seventh, sixth-ranked defense, sorry, uh, and Salah has clearly coached up that defense, but they really, really need a coaching change, and that was just an appalling game, uh, and I think Zach Wilson is kind of like just got to be on the way out in the Jets. Um, any thoughts on that game, Kyle, or just the week in general? Um, that game, the the best bit was the last 26 seconds with the punt return for New England. That was like that was the best bit. And it was a great punt return. 
um, 84 yards. But, yeah, just a terrible, terrible red zone. I lost interest very quickly in football this week. Um, and just a shout-out to the Ravens and Panthers for also having one of the worst games on record. Yeah, that game was was really really bad as well. It it took something special to be worse than that, and the the Pats Jets was truly truly a special performance. I agree with you. I lost interest as well. I think by what nine o'clock we were playing FIFA twenty three. Yeah, yeah, we were on clubs and having just about as good a time as uh, watching Red Zone. I think so. Yeah. I think Thanksgiving's come at a good time because Thanksgiving's always an exciting week uh, and, and we get more football, it seems. So uh, hopefully Thanksgiving can be a good palate cleanser uh, for what was uh, what was a dreadful week. Uh, next headline I had down is uh, about Tony Pollard, Tony Pollard league winner. Um, he's been on an absolute tear the past three weeks. He's the number one running back in fantasy over that period. He's gone for 189 and two touchdowns, 121 and one touchdown, and 147 and three touchdowns over those three games. He's averaging 4.3 yards after contact, which is absolutely fantastic uh, and first in the league at the moment. And even with Zeke coming back this week, Pollard looks like a looks like a league winner, particularly I think in redraft leagues where you would have got him in the in the later rounds. But he's also firing Steve's team towards playoff contention, obviously not on his own. But Pollard has been a feature of Steve's comeback, and uh, and and he must be delighted as a Cowboys fan uh, to have that guy um, playing as well as he is. Yeah, I hate it as their Cowboys. I don't really like to praise many Cowboys, and I very rarely do but just the game itself having two decent running backs that have 15 carries each Zeke was 2.8 yards per carry and Pollard was 80 yards total on rushing and then Zeke had two rushing touchdowns but Pollard's 109 receiving yards plus two touchdowns in the air it's just it's just proven that his, his, his receiving out the backfield is just like for a 24 year old is this going to be insane? Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant player. Presumably will be the starting running back for the Cowboys next season if they can get out of that Zeke deal. Yeah. Don't really care for the Cowboys so that. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. All right. So the last headline, and it was a tough week for headlines because the football was so bad, but there were a few teams that kind of stood out this week for one reason or another. And as you and I were sort of kicking things around in the background, mm. we were like, well, let's do a little thing on are these teams for real? So based on their performances this week and kind of how they've done throughout the season, we came up with four all happened to just be NFC teams or just happened to be teams that we support. Uh, and we just thought, like, let's just go through, do we trust these teams? Do we think they're real playoff contenders? And then look at the fantasy assets that they have on their roster and kind of say, well, can you trust them? So starting off um, with with your beloved Eagles, um, Kyle, what are your thoughts on, on whether the Eagles are kind of like a real Super Bowl contender? Yeah, I think uh, how, he, how he obviously wants to get there again with the... Uh, the, the latest sign-ins, uh, Lavelle, who had a great game at the weekend and I think really helped that stuff that run a little bit better than uh, the previous week against uh, Washington and Sue coming in. Um, like, I hate it, but, but Washington did what every team needs to do with Philly and that's keep Hurts on the bench. If, if, if Hurts doesn't keep up to date with the plays and keep moving, uh, like they do struggle. It seems to be like the games they've blown out teams is they've come on, they've scored, they've defended well, they've scored again very quickly, like really quickly. And Eagles seem to thrive off that kind of pressure on other teams. So when Washington took that, they they, they burst the bloom early doors. Like I think it was like there was a 13 minute play for Washington and rushing the ball. It was just, it was horrible to watch, but, you got to give it to them. They, they they wanted to win, and that was how they did it. And yeah. I think with uh, Jordan Davis out right now, he's going to hopefully be back in the next couple of weeks. He'll definitely be back for playoffs. I didn't know a rookie would make such a big difference on that defensive line, but he is an 
unbelievable talent for our stopping that run. And once he comes back, I think I think it'll help massively with uh, pushing for the playoffs and it'll just keeping that offense on the field, letting them thrive. AJ and Devane are doing great. They've had some lower numbers the last couple of weeks, but they're still AJ Brown. I think uh, everyone wanted him to fail, but he's just been one of the best receivers we've had in a long time, and it's great to see. I think uh, I think the last few games, I think we're going to go four and three. It's gonna we've got a good, tough schedule to finish off. Dallas, the Giants. So, yeah, if we can come out with four and three in the next uh, seven games, I'll be super happy getting into the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. You need a bit of momentum going into the playoffs. So hopefully, you know, from an Eagles perspective, get a couple of those wins towards the end of the season. From a fantasy perspective, I think you can trust you can trust Hertz, right? He's got such a solid floor. I think Miles Sanders probably as well, though he's had a couple of down weeks. How do you feel about AJ Brown and Devonta Smith as kind of fantasy assets? Like Hertz has obviously got his connection with AJ Brown. He's got a, he's he's a huge fantasy asset. Like he's either going to get you a chunky yards first downs moving like that, or he's going to be like the other week, he got three touchdowns with like five receptions. So it's like, he's definitely dependable. Uh, Devontae Smith still growing in this league. He's such a good route runner, but it's, it, it'll take time. I think in a couple of years, he'll be definitely, he'll be up there. He's not going to be like a Justin Jefferson point scorer, but he's definitely going to be like that 10 to 15 weekly basis kind of point score in my opinion where I think AJ's got that 18 plus consistently going forward with with the Eagles yeah I love I love Devonta Smith coming out of the rookie draft um he like you said he is a really classy route guy um he runs them perfectly and I think he's kind of over everyone was worried about him being really slight you know he's, he's not going to be strong enough I think he's overcome that um, and he's obviously the number two piece, but uh, I think he he could be a wide receiver one in the right situation. So I, I, I agree, agree with your analysis there. I've obviously got both of them on my fantasy team. So yes. I'm, I'm sort of struggling week to week as to who to plug in. Some weeks I'm playing both of them. Some weeks I'm favoring AJ Brown. But, um, you know, a good problem to have two really classy receivers on your roster. Um, Agreed. Next team on our list, and uh, no surprise, it's the 49ers. Um, so answering my own question, is this team for real? The 49ers are for real. Um, I may not have said that three or four weeks ago um, before we signed CMC and that signing worked out as well as it has done. I've said all season that the defence is elite. It really, really is. Um, in the last three games, that defence has allowed zero points in the second half of each of those three games. And that is incredible, but it's not just the defense. The left side of the offensive line has not allowed a sack all season. Um, And that is really kind of allowing Jimmy G to have some time to find his receivers. And you saw that against the Cardinals when he's got a little bit of time and you get all these guys on these crazy crossing routes, like he's going to find his guys. He's not, He's not even a top 15 quarterback, really. He's very, very efficient. He does what Shanahan wants him to do. And with those weapons, like, yeah, the 49ers really are going to be a contender um, as long as they stay fit. So I'm now really excited, whereas I ended the season nervous. And then when Trey got injured, I wasn't sure. Um, So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm pretty pumped about it. Uh, The offense has been ranked the number one in DVOA, uh, football outsiders metrics since CMC signed, uh, and obviously the defense is is wicked as well. So, I'm uh, I'm pumped. Any thoughts on the Niners for you, mate? Yeah, like I said, fantasy wise, CMC is just a, a stud. Like I, I I said to you privately that I really wished the Eagles did push for him because I think that's something we're missing. With the amount of picks we got, we could have got him, but I just don't think how he wanted to give up much. Um, and yeah, what a dime! Like, he's beautiful, <laughs> beautiful human being, beautiful fantasy points player. Like, he's just, yeah, he's just great. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, like, it's kind of hard from a fantasy perspective. I think CMC is going to be a player you pick every week. Kittle's a bit of a mixed proposition, like, he's not 
being used as a receiver as much as uh, as he once was because we've got other options. Debo has been a bit of up and down this season. The guy I love from a fantasy perspective or who I think offers you a really solid floor is Brandon Ayuk, who has come on this season so much as a receiver. Um, he is now kind of as good as Debo. It, they're slightly different players, but I love having those guys in, in the team. And I, you know, if I if I had any of them, I'd be plugging in Ayuk every week. I would probably think twice about Debo and Kittle, just because I think they're a bit more volatile. Uh, CMC kind of speaks for himself, right? Uh, we will come to later. There were some decisions uh, in one of our league members to bench Jimmy G and pick a certain Mr. Unlimited. Uh, that was a terrible decision, and I will explain why later. Um, well, aside from the fact that he lost because of it, um, but there were really good reasons why you would pick Jimmy G as a fantasy quarterback over over, over Mr. Unlimited. So we'll come to that. Uh, next team we focused on, another NFC East team, another team supported by a member of this league, uh, the New York Football Giants. Uh, Kyle, your thoughts on the Giants? Well, I respect them a little bit more than the Cowboys, so... <laughs> that's 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 a good sign. Uh, Vanilla Fick is, I want to say he's legit, but it's just I don't know how he's doing so well. He is only had two weeks where he's had poor fantasy point turnouts. <laughs> he's just like I don't know. It's insane. Like the past week, three hundred forty-one throwing yards, fifty rushing, and one rushing touchdown. Like that for fantasy is unbelievable, but for the Giants, the fact they had very little red zone and he gave away two interceptions and they lost that game to the Lions doesn't help. No fantasy perspective, he's great. <laughs> I mean, he had thirty-two points this week in a in a loss, right? Is you know, he's like I said. He, in fact, he's really only had one bad week. He got nine points against mm-hmm. the Seahawks. Uh, I suppose the Green Bay game where you got fifteen is is a bit fifteen, cool, yeah. Blimey, I mean, yeah. you know, actually look at his output. Um, you know, he's he's been really solid this season, isn't he? Oh, unbelievable! And like, uh, like Saquon is back. Like, yes, it was a tough week on the ground for him, but it's nice to see Saquon being Saquon for a bit here. Like, I I really liked him as a rookie coming out, and he's had some bad luck with injuries, but. He is a number one running back for your team. He's gonna score you points. He's just he's undroppable. Like yeah. if the people who dropped it this week were just out of pure luck, that it was a perfect drop. But other than that, like and it's just they're receiving now. They're, the receiving core is gonna be uh very uh touchdown dependent going yeah, you... forward, I think, with the teams they gotta come out against. You willing to start Darius Slayton, if you've got him, I'd be pretty skeptical about that. I, I think Ed did or does. He has both of them. He has uh, Wendell too. So who knows? That's the yeah. maverick to do it is Ed Lamb. So going back to the original question, do we think the Giants are for real? This is going to be, like I said, I, Brian Dave always for real. Yeah. He's done a great job with what he's got been given. I would give credit to that. But the last seven games of the season where they've got Dallas, Eagles, Washington, they've got a tough finishing schedule. Yeah. Five divisional games out of seven. So I don't know. I think they're going to fall flat here, but they're not going to go down without fight. And I, I just don't want to say they are for real, but they're on the verge of being an okay team. Yeah. Yeah, they looking at their schedule, they could easily lose five of those those remaining games, couldn't they? So it's, it's tough. I mean, you know, we'll wait and see. They they actually have uh, on the schedule the fourth team we want to talk about, um, the Minnesota Vikings. Mm. Um, I'm just going to start out by saying they're not for real. Um, <laughs> and I'm I'm going to I'm going to keep it very factual uh because I have probably been accused of being uh somewhat not objective when it comes to their quarterback. Um so their point differential for the season is minus 2. 
they've been lucky, frankly, to win the games that they have done. Their total DVOA as a team is number 24 in the whole league. And their offense and defense are both below the Becky Mendoza diagonal. Kirk Cousins is the number 22 ranked quarterback by both quarterback ranking and Football Outsiders quarterback metrics. And he has the 31st yards per attempt in the league. And he is ranked in the bottom five under pressure. So those are my facts and figures. That is why I don't think the Vikings are real. I don't need to say any more than that because I think my views on Kirk Cousins are very much on record on this podcast and in uh, many other conversations with league members. Any thoughts on the Vikings from you, Kyle? Uh, Definitely. From a fantasy standpoint, that Justin Jefferson is their only guy. Like, well, with a sprinkle of Cook on top. You can't trust really anyone else. Feeling is definitely showing his age, and he's not the slot receiver he has been in the last couple of years. Uh, Osborne is maybe once every four games he has a good game, and that's just with a deep touchdown. So, going off with your stats of like Kurt's got one guy. If Justin gets hurt, they're they're not a fantasy team. They're just they're just no they're nothing in my eyes. Just give the ball to Cook, and that's it. Yeah, I suppose some people will say TJ Hawkinson and, you know, he's going to get peppered with targets because of Cousins' average depth of target being so short. He, you know, since he joined them, he has had a lot of targets. But, you know, this week, for example, nine targets for 34 yards. You you know, in a PPR league, great. Uh, in our league that counts first downs, so he's getting the ball three yards for the line of scrimmage. Um, it's not going to be particularly productive unless he gets a touchdown, which of course he can. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Jefferson, Cook, um, that's it for me. I'm I'm not, I mean, I have Hawkinson in a number of leagues, but uh, I'm not exactly feeling very trusting of him right now. No, agreed. <clears throat> cool. So that's a slightly different approach to those, those headlines there, Kyle. But um, I think your idea uh, was a really good one, which is maybe we cover some of those AFC contenders next week and we look at, you know, again, a subset of teams. Do we think they're real? Uh, what are their kind of fantasy outlooks for the rest of the season? Any other headlines that you want to kind of bring up this week? Um, I think we got a question in our group chat the other week uh, from uh, our good friend Steve. He wanted to know uh, the league standings with uh, without the, the, the Murchison bonus point. Uh, I know... That point has brought a lot of controversy in this league this year. Uh, there's a few people. I mean, one person who doesn't like it, the rest seem to deal with it. And do you want me to read out the standings? I mean, go for it, mate. All right. So if this is just a standing win and lose league, the standings would go and have the Ballins duo at two and nine. Okay. We have Val at five and six. We have Lamb at five and six. We have Steve at six and five. Franco at six and five. Myself at six and five. Spike at six and five. And Jake at eight and three. So, giving you the facts there, Spike, do you see that the Murchison point is favored certain teams or not? So, what you're telling me is that the only person that has been screwed over by the Murchison bonus is me because I go from fourth to second in that scenario. Yep. I mean, that's what... Kyle, that's I'm cool awesome. with it, mate, because I think that my team it should not be in second place. Uh, haven't scored enough points, has not performed well enough. There are better teams in the league. And I think that's why the Murchie B exists. It's really to make sure that over the season, the best four teams make the playoffs. And uh, I think everyone's cool with that now. So thank you for doing that analysis. Thank you for pointing out that really it has made absolutely no difference to Jake's team uh, at all. Um, 
really great headline, mate. I mean, we have bookended this headline session with, you know, some really great analysis on the league. Uh, we obviously had the big Illyricon news and then and then the big news on the Merchie B at the end. Um, thank you for bringing that to us. Not a problem. It's a joy, it's a joy to uh, get this information out there. Next up, we have the review of Week 11's matchups, starting off with uh, my good self versus Franco. A uh, bit of a dud matchup overall, 142 to 153. Franco took this one. Uh, I was very glad that I wasn't with him this week uh, because he would have been insufferable. Uh, it ended probably closer than it should have done, to be honest. Uh, neither of them got much going other than the quarterback and IDP positions. And we both moved to 11-11 on the season. Uh, a very 500 record, very average, very, very Franco. Um, from Franco's perspective, Pacheco now looks to be the running back of choice for the for the Chiefs. CEH has gone on injured reserve and was playing really poorly. Anyway, he had a really strong rushing performance this week. And uh, it'll be really good for Franco now that he's got his boy Keenan Allen back. To be honest, I think Mika Parsons really won the day with that huge performance versus the Vikings that started from pretty much the, the first play. We talked about him loads in detail last week, so I'm not going to touch on that. The one other thing I would say is that Foster Moreau was so close to getting a bagel. Franco would have been three weeks in a row with a bagel if that Raiders game had not gone to overtime and Foster Moreau had not caught one ball. And I was so excited about it. I was on the Dunkin' Donuts website. I was about to send him a bunch of donuts, you know, but um, unfortunately Moreau ruined it for me, which is very sad. Um, for me, I had a really uncharacteristic performance from Damian Pierce this week, who had only a second uh, single-digit score of the season. Uh, you know, if he'd got his normal output, I, I could have won the week. Um, and I probably need, at this point, to make some decisions on adding some running back depth if I want to make a push. And sitting in fourth position, I think, this week, next week, before the... Um, before the trade deadline, I got got to make a decision as to whether I push or or punt on the season. So that's uh, that's that matchup. Moving on to uh, Ed versus Jake. I think you're going to take this one, aren't you, Kyle? It ended one sixty three to one ninety two to Jake. Yeah, Jake secured the win here. Like as you kept saying, Ed, Ed just wouldn't leave him alone in the early games. It was quite a close matchup going ahead, and then. Uh, Singletary keeping Ed in the game. Uh, Derek Henry just took off like 31 points from the run, but he's like Mr. Dependable. He's going to score you those points. Jonathan Taylor had an okay week coming off a high last week. So really helped Jake's fantasy day start off well. Uh, Ed came back in the evening with the 31 points from Travis. Like, the tight end is he's just unbelievable. Like I don't know any other tight like he's gonna be one of the greats. Like apart from Gronk and the Brady connection, the Mahomes and Kelsey connection, fantasy perspective is one of the best things to have. Um oh yeah, and that did start vanilla Vic, didn't he? So that was the early <laughs> the early <laughs> points there. Thirty two points from Vanilla Vic, like I don't know. Ed, Ed, Ed tried his hardest, but the, uh, the Jake it pains me to say it, but his team did look pretty good this week, and uh, he's managed to squeak out the win with a decent IDP player for once. So, yeah, uh, you, congrats, Jake. Jake. Jake obviously listened to the podcast last week that he was on um, because he finally decided that he would put uh, someone other than TJ Watt in, and Max Crosby had a thirty-six point week, which again, because we were on. Uh, PlayStation chat with him as Crosby was rattling up a score. Very upsetting, uh, frankly. Um, should never have given him that advice. Should have just said, yeah, TJ, what's top, top IDP player? Go for it. Ed's still in contention. Third place at the moment. Um, there's a lot of bunching in the middle. Uh, Jake is is pretty clear at the top now. And, and I, like you said, I can't really see past Jake securing the first kind of playoff spot in the next couple of weeks. So. Yeah, next match. yeah, like yeah, next one. Let's go. Yeah. Next matchup. Steve versus the Ballings duo. Uh as expected, ended two oh four to one forty in Steve's favour. He has been on a tear since week seven. 
Uh, he's put up over a thousand points in that period, and he is now only one Murchie B outside of the playoff spots. Um, the Ballers roster is up for sale. Uh, they've said they've said as much, and they are currently sat rooted to the bottom. Uh, now looking a bit distant, um, you know. They've obviously uh, decided that they're gonna they're gonna get rid of like players like Aaron Jones, uh, and that's the sort of thing that you know I was saying earlier. I need to make a decision: do I put in kind of offers for players like Aaron Jones uh, to t- try and boost my season? Um, but trying to negotiate with uh, with those two personalities will be uh, very interesting. Um, for Steve, um, the mid-season change in kind of Fields, Pollard, Joshua Palmer, that's really what's powering him forward. We highlighted last week some real weak spots on his roster, but he was able to find enough from those guys um, uh, to, to get him through. Uh, but as we are on Bagel Watch, uh, Kadarius Tony, big bagel for Steve. So he is now the current holder of the, the bagel trophy that doesn't yet exist, but absolutely should exist. Uh, and if we had some sort of forfeit, uh, I would be making Steve uh, or some sort of hired actor uh, do do the forfeit this week. I, I thought the rumours of the forfeit was uh, eating the uh, very heavily toasted dry bagels. <laughs> yeah, it was... It was either a pack of bagels, wasn't it? Like dry, no water, or it was like bagels with the toppings of the rest of the league's choices, which I think you pointed out would be an extremely dangerous combination once you let Rawlins in on the on the decision making process. <laughs> no, we definitely need we definitely need something bagel related. Uh, last matchup then was your good self versus Valen. Uh, ended one fifty four to one sixty one, Kyle. I, I was staring down the barrel of the gun Thursday afternoon and being like, this game's a write-off. Looking at Val's roster, it's scarily good if someone has had this roster. If anyone knows the show The League, Val is becoming the Rodney Ruxin of our league. <laughs> and I think that just is the perfect person to sum Val up. Mr. Tinker. You go and leave Jimmy G on your bench. Jamal Williams, who's been scoring touchdown after touchdown ahead of Swift. And Najee Harris decides to have his uh, best game of the season. Unlucky, buddy. I, I, I went to sleep after James Conner scored his touchdown. And I knew I had the win with my pathetic IR riddled by week team. Yeah, and I mean, you I, got. Did you get two points from your IDP this week? Yeah, I yeah, I had two points from my IDP. I had six points from Van Jefferson, four points from Harkison, one from Duvernay, nine from Chubb. Val, yeah, come on, man. I mean, Valen. I said this at the top of the show. Starting Mister Unlimited, who has been dreadful all season. He is currently ranked the number 26 quarterback by DVOA. And you bench Jimmy G, who is currently ranked number three. And Jimmy G's fantasy performances have actually been pretty good. That is the decision that cost you a win. You, you would think you would think we have a team with CMC, Ayuk, Debo, Kittle. That QB would be starting nine out of ten on any other roster. Yeah. Yeah. Not this don't, one. Don't know what Valor was thinking. He's clearly been phased by himself. I, I can't wait till this four man auto draft league starts next season. We are absolutely covering the shit out of that on this podcast alongside the breakaway league. So um just seeing how he loses to three auto draft teams is gonna be incredible. <laughs> All right, moving away from this week and into the Thanksgiving week, week 12. Uh, one of the most exciting weeks of the season. Um, and not always because of the quality of the football. I was racking my brains this week to think of a classic Thanksgiving match that I've watched. And I genuinely can't. Did some Google research. There's there's some games from like 2010 that I don't remember watching and probably didn't watch. But 
in the time that I've been watching the NFL, I don't remember any cracking NFL games on Thanksgiving, but that has not detracted from how much I enjoy Thanksgiving week and those Thanksgiving games. Uh, Kyle, like, I know you guys, uh, you know, have had some pretty awesome Thanksgiving nights down in Westbury. Do you want to kind of like give us a flavour of what that's been like? Oh, the uh, the Westbury bunker, as has been known. Uh, the uh, we've had oh, we've had some great meals there. Uh, starting off early, Chris is at work. We'd grab the key off him and uh, get the turkey cooking, sides, all sorts, just to watch them uh, even in football. Uh, Chris's excitement of the side of cheese and pineapple on a stick. Oh, I was like a kid at Christmas with that. But we've had two great meals. Like I, I don't think I've had one since being in Canada with any like a big group. We usually save it for the Super Bowl. But that's one thing apart from Super Bowl nights is uh, a highlight of the football season is getting together and eating some delicious food. Yeah, me and some of the guys up in Cheltenham, we we we've done the same for a number of years, and I remember ex- exchanging various turkey-related photographs with with you guys, and you know, watching the games together has always been fun. We've we sort of started a bit of a new tradition now. So one of my one of our mates' mother-in-law's got a place down in Falmouth. So Thanksgiving week last year, and now this year, we we head down there on Thursday. We end up missing the the early game, um, and then we catch the second game. Try and stay up for the third one. Fail miserably. So we get up the next morning and watch the watch the early game, and then the late game uh, in the morning before hitting the the craft breweries. Um, so we're we're off. I'm off tomorrow to do that. Mixing in the England USA World Cup game is going to be absolutely fantastic. But um, well, yeah, well, I love these. I like like you. I I love I love the kind of the, the whole roast dinner element to it. Um, the fact that everyone's chilling out watching the game, and because we don't have Thanksgiving in the UK. It's just us guys, right? There's no family obligation. It's just like, yeah, I'll get yeah. together with my mates watching some games and cooking cooking a massive roast. So yeah, it's 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 a great it's, fun week. Yeah, no, it is for sure. And like I said, the, the only the only major game I can remember is the uh the 2012 New England Patriots versus New York Jets with the uh notorious well known butt fumble. I think we rioted. Back in the day when that happened with uh, Mr. Sanchez. Yeah, that was crazy, that was. Okay, so should we have a little look ahead at this week's matchups then, Kyle? Um, So myself versus Jake is the first matchup expected to not be at all close. Um, There's a chance for Jake to really kind of solidify that top spot and push me out of the playoff spots at a pretty cool, pretty critical moment. Uh, There's a lot of green matchups across the board, so, you know, players expected to score a lot of points. Um, but even with those, Jake's team just looks far too strong and he's got really, really strong performances at, at tight end. If Kittle has another week like that and Mark Andrews performs to his to his ability, I will be absolutely dead and buried. Uh, next matchup then, Ed versus Franco. Uh, expected to be a little bit closer than mine and Jake's matchup. Kyle, you're going to take this one away? Yeah, we're looking at uh, 202 for Ed to 214 for Franco projected. And uh, I don't know, Ed's going to have a tough week this week. His beloved uh, Giants are playing his beloved fantasy team of the Dallas Cowboys. So it's going to be a great Thursday night game, um, especially if the Dallas show up from last week. I think uh, the IDP Franco is going to have a field day with Parsons getting to vanilla thick very frequently. Um, but it looks like it's got to be a close one. Like I say, it all, it all depends on that game for Ed. He's got one, one, two, three, four of his major players are playing in that one game. So there's going to hopefully he's going to be a lot of points thrown about. But I think Franco's just going to just nick this one a little bit with his uh, with his squad. But yeah, certainly one that could go either way. Yeah. Uh, Valen versus the Ballins duo. Uh, this should be a get with, get right week for Valen after a really disappointing loss. Uh, that said, both of the Ballins duo have been getting in Val's head all week uh, about how bad he is at team selection. Uh, and we've just t- talked about what he did last week. So as much as this should be an absolute cakewalk for Valen, particularly with that stable of running backs he's got, uh, you never know. You never know. Let's go, Valen. 
Valen needs this, right? He needs this to stay in touch after last week's loss. Um, and I think he can expect some bounce-back performances from Justin Jefferson and Saquon in particular. I, I don't expect those guys to put up a combined nine points like they did last week. So should be one-way traffic. Uh, let's, let's, let's wait and see, though. Uh, last matchup, then. Steve versus yourself, Kyle. Take it away. Yeah, uh, me versus the future champ of the league i see uh i see he's updated his team and he's now taken fields out because he's questionable seems a little nervous to me steve don't oh, remember the times when uh i saw spike back in the day if uh, steve ordered a large meal so would shotgun his leftovers and then steve could never finish a full meal yeah i think he only got over that hurdle a few years ago but like he would hate it when someone shouts shotgun steve's leftovers I'm starting to think that Steve's starting to wobble a little bit here. Like, come on, be committed. Keep Fields in. Thank, pray to the fantasy gods that Fields stays in because he is your number one player right now. And I was a little nervous when I saw Fields. Looked up in the last three weeks, he scored a oh, crazy amount of points, like 31, 45, 59, 34, 32. Massive, massive. That If he's not playing, Steve, you're going down. I'm confident this week. He's got to make an early decision on fields as well because his alternate is to play Mac Jones, who plays on Thanksgiving. Mac Jones has scored <laughs> 16, 11, and 11 the last uh, last few weeks. So um, that's not appealing. Uh, and that is not going to win in the day against your team, which is currently the highest scoring points uh, team in the league. So, yeah, I know that fields is a worry, but uh, like you said, I'd be gambling. Um, but you know, shotgun Steve's leftovers. I don't know, I don't know that story. It sounds great. Um, I always love to see somebody phased, even if they are a paid actor. So, any more thoughts on uh, this week's matchups or Thanksgiving in general, Kyle? Uh, I got some Thanksgiving facts. I'll split out after. Uh, but I just, uh, just looking through the rosters as well. Once again, Rodney Ruxin is leaving Jamal Williams on the bench. I don't know. I think uh, Val's going to do some more tinkering by tomorrow afternoon, but Jamal Williams on the bench. Yes, Buffalo, but he's a touchdown scorer. Come on, 12 Val. touchdowns this season. That's what's, a man, what's a man got to do to get picked, Val? I know, right? Well, apparently he'd be higher than third in uh, QB rating, so. Oh, wow. Never mind. Right. Well, so on to this week's special feature, Kyle, and sticking with the theme of Thanksgiving, um, we are going to do something a little more frivolous than uh, the previous weeks of like IDP deep dive, mid-season review, best ever Jags players. I suppose the Jags players is a bit of a joke as well, but sorry, Oof. Pike. Um we are going to do a power ranking of Thanksgiving foods. Um, it's got a bit of a UK slant on it, but you know, I brought in my transatlantic cousin here to to give the the the, the North American perspective, I should say. Uh, so we are going to go uh, from eight to one. Uh, quite, couldn't quite get to ten, uh, and and we certainly had some disagreement on our rankings. Uh, but I'm going to start <laughs> at eight, and uh, we'll go from there. So. Number eight in the Thanksgiving food power rankings is braised red cabbage. Uh, didn't appear on Kyle's list at all. And I've got to say, that's probably just because Kyle has not had a roast dinner cooked by me, uh, which is a shame for him because I think Rawlings and Baker have definitely had this. The braised red cabbage at Christmas and Thanksgiving is absolutely incredible. Cooked low and slow for about three hours. Red onions, red wine, red cabbage, cider vinegar, a little bit of sugar to take the edge off, and it makes your house smell like Christmas. It is an absolutely incredible side. Uh, always have it at Thanksgiving, always have it at Christmas. Uh, nobody's going to get excited about me saying red cabbage, but I'm telling you, like, don't uh, don't criticize it until you've had it. Uh, moving on to number seven, Kyle, I think you, uh, you put in sprouts with bacon. Unbelievable. One of the best side dishes to do with sprouts. Like, get a nice boil on the sprouts, chop it up, a huge amount of bacon, pour in that grease all over the sprouts into a bacon tray and just let them roast. Oh, honestly, that is, it's, it's like sprouts are one of my favorite vegetables all year round. And 
what's not to like when you chuck a slab of bacon with it? <laughs> so I would never have sprouts anywhere near my power rankings. I I don't like them. But when when Kyle put in the baked with bacon, like I do if I'm not doing red cabbage, I will do an alternate cabbage dish, which is cabbage, bacon, and onion, uh, which is very similar to what you're suggesting. Like, frankly, anything with bacon is incredible. Um, so, yeah, like I, I, I can get on board with this, even though I don't like sprouts. I have had sprouts and bacon before, and the bacon improves them immeasurably. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll have that at number seven. I think you had it quite high in your list. So, you know, seven, seven's all right with me. Moving on to number six, something that didn't appear in your list, and I've got to assume it was an oversight, Kyle, because pigs in blankets, right? How uh, we just talked about bacon. Bacon yeah. is a key part of this, and you're adding sausage. It's 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 the North American thing. I've made pigs in blankets once for these guys over here, and they lost their freaking mind. Like unbelievable. But <laughs> it's just it's 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 overlooked so much here. I've been here seven years now and it's something i miss so yeah. i'll probably bring them back out this year just because you've brought them up and it yeah they're like say pig with pig is sorry vegans but that's one of the best combinations you can probably have yeah it's it's incredible like one christmas um when i had my brother-in-law and his family over we cooked a hundred because everyone in the family loves pigs in blankets. There was 12 of us for dinner. I was like, how many how many pigs in blankets do I do? Somebody jokingly said 100, and I was like, fuck it, I'll just cook 100. So we did. No. Yeah. Nice. Um, number five, Kyle, you had turkey. I, I love turkey. I think I've cooked turkey for 80% of this group, and I don't think I've cooked the bad turkey, and that's the key part is not, cooking a bad people who say they don't like turkey have struggled because their parents have cooked it and it's like the driest thing you'll ever you need cubious amounts of gravy and bread sauce and anything to go with it if you cook it right turkey is one of the nicest meats to have on your plate during thanksgiving and christmas hands down wow a real turkey advocate i mean I, I, I can get on board with turkey because meat is an essential part of a roast dinner and it's Thanksgiving, so it's got to be turkey. Um, I do mine on the smoker, so I do it kind of like low and slow and try to retain that moisture that I think you're right. Like people cook it badly. They cook all the moisture out of it. They don't let it rest long enough. Turkey's a big old bird. Like it can be dry as hell. And if it's dry, it's it's kind of a tough eat. But if you cook it right, it can be a really good one. I've never tried these crazy American styles of like cooking it in a vat of uh, fat, you know, like deep frying it. That looks mental. Um, But, you know, I guess don't knock it until you tried it. Um, But it's the interesting thing about Turkey that I find now is is it's become like a real barbecue staple as well. Like people have sliced Turkey breast alongside like their brisket and their ribs and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it's clearly if treated well, Turkey can be a good meat. It's just a tricky one for a, for a chef, but clearly you and I are like elite level chefs. So, you know, it's unbelievable. In at number four, roast potatoes done properly so they're fluffy on the inside and crunchy on the outside the key for you guys who are shit cooks rawlins i'm looking at you a nice little parboil followed by steaming them dry so letting them dry out whilst they're kind of uh draining off and then chucking them into a pan of hot oil and fluffing them up so getting you know getting the moving in the oil so that they get they get that that texture on the outside where the bits rather than getting a crispy shell you get like a crispy like kind of like a crust almost um you can do duck fat you can do goose fat you can do beef dripping whatever you want but to be honest like for me the key is doing that 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 fluffy part if you do all that and you just want to cook them in vegetable oil which has a high but a high uh, uh boiling point then that'll be absolutely fine it won't make a huge difference if you do that versus goose fat and duck fat so um that's yes. how i do it and i roast roast potatoes are just incredible um we're at the real pinnacle of the list here so number mm-hmm. three something that we both agreed on cauliflower cheese it's over here it's called uh cauliflower casserole there's different variations of it with 
chocolate broccoli, cauliflower. There's sprouts in cauliflower, sprouts of broccoli, but cauliflower cheese. Oh, what's not to like? A vegetable covered in cheese. <laughs> with, like, just, it's one of the best bits to have on your plate. It's the top three for a reason. It's, you just cook it enough so there's still a little bit of crunch that cauliflower. It's not mm. too soft. And you get that cheese sauce right, it goes so well with anything else on the plate. And it's, yeah, top three, hands down, number three, solid. Yeah, most most of the time when I do cauliflower cheese, I'll just do it with a single cheese. But when I'm kind of getting a bit more extravagant at Christmas and uh, yeah, Thanksgiving, I'll, I'll mix in like a second and potentially even a third cheese. So I have a bit of cheddar, chuck in some red Leicester, maybe a mozzarella if you want to keep it stringy. But yeah, adding a little bit of extra flavor uh, could, cannot go amiss. I'm 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 partial to adding a tablespoon of uh, mustard in there as well oh no. mate that's that's a base part of my my recipe and it gets right in that i make that cauliflower cheese sauce right up from scratch and i'll taste it as i go and if it's not it's depending on how i'm feeling if i want it a bit more spicy we'll chuck two in oh the mustard's key get mustard good mustard get it yeah absolutely and i, I put in a like a, a teaspoon full of like whichever kind of like seasoning or rub I'm kind of favoring at the moment. So I'll chuck in like a brisket rub or something like that into the, yes. into the cheese yes. mix and just give it that little bit of bite and spice to it as well. So gosh, yeah. Cauliflower cheese. What a, what a great item. Number two uh, was gravy. It was my number one item. You had it in at three. So we're kind of splitting the difference here. Uh, to me, the reason uh, I love gravy is that without it, the roast is immeasurably worse. It brings the whole meal together. Um, you've got to have it. Um, if you're making it and you want to do it properly, mixing in the meat juices is absolutely essential. If you've yeah. got time to do it properly, take your roasting tin, deglaze it with some stock and some water and really bring it up, make a nice thick gravy. That's the that's the kind of like the real, the proper way to do it. But if you haven't got time, use Bisto Best, right? That's perfectly acceptable but you've got to have yeah. gravy. If you don't have yeah. it, that is a dry old meal, no matter how much bacon you put on it. <laughs> uh, so top of the tree then, Kyle, the absolute elite Thanksgiving uh, food. And I, I can't really disagree with you here. This was your number one and it is great stuffing. If it's not on your plate when you're sat down in this house, you'll be asked to leave, pretty much. <laughs> it's, uh, I think me and Spicy D can, uh, could polish off a good amount of stuffing individually. It's a match made in heaven. And the best bit about stuffing is if you don't want the meaty stuffing, you get, you can make a vegetarian one. Yeah. Bread, herbs, onions, a little bit of vegetable stock, just soak it up. It's a perfect side dish. It goes well for everyone, and it's with mixed with the cauliflower cheese sauce, the gravy, the moist turkey, and the crispy roasted potatoes. Who doesn't want that meal? Absolutely, mate. We we've now reached a three stuffing scenario on Christmas Day, so we always have the like the the pork stuffing because more yeah. pork. Or- just again, pork, love it. Um, Got to have that one. And then like like you said, like a vegetable one. So it's maybe something with red onions in or even just mm-hmm. a, like a classic sage and herb, like um, yep. a sage and onion even. Um, but we've also had to now mix in a gluten-free variety for my brother-in-law and, and my mother-in-law, um, which I don't mind because it means they're not eating my stuffing because uh, I need a lot of it, right? I, I need like a quarter of the plate to be covered with some variety of stuffing. Yeah. There has been times where we've come back from Thanksgiving or Christmas dinners, and the next day for leftovers, I've generally made fresh stuff in for myself and Danielle because <laughs> this is usually the first thing to go in the family meals. So we can't have leftovers without it. It's it's definitely just oh, what a meal! I'm hungry now. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely hungry. Well, that's uh, I mean, what a great. What a great power rankings. Uh, up there with Franco's banter power rankings, I think. Really enjoyed that, mate. Uh, like you said, I am really hungry as well. That was, yeah, that was a good good session. And, like, Thanksgiving, 
Thursday Thanksgiving games. They do look pretty good. I'm excited for it. It's kind of a day off, just like yourself. We're going to sit in front of that TV and just going to enjoy some football all day. Just this is the this is the best time to. Uh, this is it now. This is it. We're getting into playoffs. A couple more weeks, we're in the playoffs. Whew. Playoffs. We can't be talking <laughs> about playoffs. On to the final section of the podcast, our traditional feature, interviewing our guest. Kyle, I've got a few questions from the league for you this week. First one up, what is your Canadian football team and why do you support them? This one's hard because I think I've watched one Canadian football game and that was probably about halfway through. But I'm going to have to go with the Argonauts, because the Toronto Argonauts, because... Purely because of a spice fact, she, she once won the contest for the super fan, dressed up, paint, head face paint, headgear, all sorts. She won a year's supply of chips slash crisps. So wow. that's the reason. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? And I'll put the uh, I'll send a picture to Spike of her dressed up, and we can put it on the Instagram page this week. That's a good As, feature. Uh, yeah. And that's 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 probably the reason why, yeah. All right. Fair enough. Uh, what's the better stadium, Ford Field or the Mem? Right. As we go by better stadium, the Mem is the place to be for me and Francis. We've had some good times there. Ford Field is a beautiful stadium, but I do miss the smell of body odor, cider, and the horribleness that is the stadium. It's hands down the best for me. Fort Field was beautiful, but the atmosphere for the Lions at the time we went and watched was not great. The men, hands down, every day of the week. I mean, a really kind of particular West Country vibe to that answer, which I which I enjoyed. Body odor and cider. That is a heady mixture for anybody. Um, are you really an Eagles fan or do the Bears have your heart? I know I nearly once won a part in the Bears drum line with my crazy skills at Wembley. And going to the game at Soldier Field was a great opening day. They do hold a special part of my heart, but I'm hands down an Eagle fan and I always will be because I hate the Cowboys so much. <laughs> That's a great reason to support a team because you hate their rivals. <laughs> oh, I hate them. Uh, well, linking to your love of the Eagles and based on the AJ Brown and Devonta Smith little and large combination, who would be your dream little partner? Uh, and the caveat to this is you have to live with them and you have to spend most of your time with them. So shout out the uh, Spicy D. That's, that's, that would be the easiest answer just to get the podcast done. But I'm going to go with Jerry from Tom and Jerry. I feel like we would have a great time. The fridge would always be full for him. I, I think Reg would enjoy chasing him around. I think we can get us some good good mischief with me and Jerry. Yeah, I mean, he's such he's such a worm, isn't he? I think I feel like you you two would cause absolute mischief together. We we yeah, there's a lot of relate relations there. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good answer. And final question for you then, Kyle: Did you ever manage to stay awake during the Super Bowl when you lived in the UK? Not once. I think we got, I would usually get around to about the end of the first quarter and have a slight power nap in the corner somewhere. A uh, little backstory. I could probably fall asleep in any surface on this planet and get a good <laughs> hour nap. And that was usually, I would usually wake up during the <laughs> halftime show and maybe get through again. Uh, yeah, tactical. I would call them tactical more than anything. <laughs> well, have you managed to stay awake during the one since you've been over in Canada or, or are they still just too hard even though they're in like the middle of the day 
No, that would be funny. No, I've managed to stay awake at these ones, but that would have been, yeah, maybe maybe that's the day, the aim for this upcoming Super Bowl is to try and fall asleep after the halftime show at <laughs> nine o'clock, whatever it is. <laughs> oh, brilliant, mate. Brilliant. Um, well, that's the end of the questions. It was a little thin on the ground. I, I assume that's just because like you guys all know each other so well and... Uh, you know, we need to pump up the numbers for uh, for questions in the future. But hey, um, anything final from you for this podcast, mate? Uh, no, I've just uh, just enjoyed enjoyed the league so far. It's been it's been uh, it's been a nice palate cleanser to get the fantasy going again. I've really um, been in the League of Legends for a long time, and I still enjoy it as much as. I did the first day, but the new outlook on uh, on the on the league scoring, the mergers and bonus and point is just like one of my favorite things to ever come up in fantasy. I really enjoyed that. I think it really does set the field apart and give people that extra point when needed. Um, and yeah, I think I think this year has been a very successful year for us so far. And I think it's only going to get better. Yeah, so far so good. All right, well, that will do us for this week's podcast. Um, as always, uh, tell your friends, uh, because we do seem to have been able to pass the pod in that way. Uh, like and subscribe. Somebody give us some more ratings on uh, on Spotify, leave some reviews on iTunes, uh, really get us up the rankings. Hopefully we could be top 75 or maybe even top 50 by the end of the season if we, if we keep on our current track. Um, until next week, let's ride.